You are listening to the weekly podcast of Transformation Life Church in Muskegon, Michigan. We pray you enjoy today's message. You know, uh, and then we have our Mexican pastors here today. Hey, you guys were up at Niagara Falls last week, weren't you? Yeah, how was that? Nice? They were in Niagara Falls enjoying the scenery. They're in hanging out. So glad to have. Oh, Cynthia, come here. It's a day of interruption anyway. So you might as well just come up here. You can bring your mom and dad with you if you want. So God is so good. I see your husband's not here today. You still got him, right? You didn't trade him in? You didn't get rid of him? So God is so good. Can you speak English? (laughs) No no hablo espanol. No hablo. You you English. She's taken classes to learn English. This shows how lazy I am. I'm still not learning Spanish. Don't have to agree with me on that, but I'm just saying. Gaggle. Download Gaggle. She sits in the service and and has uh, the translation app on, and then she, she reads whatever, right, so she knows... So don't try saying stuff about her because she's going to, I'm just saying, don't, she's going to read it and know what you said. So, but she has a great testimony. Yeah. Share it. <laughs> Can you share it? Um, you pray for me and my husband because um, my other lawyer, um, made oh. bad job with yep. my papers, you remember? And um, three, wo- three weeks ago, ago mm-hmm. we received a letter and say um, one petition was approved for me and maybe my papers coming soon. <laughs> All that to say she gets a state because Listen, her husband just got citizenship, just passed the exam for being a nurse because he was a nurse in in Cuba. And then after he gets all this done, she gets a letter that says you have to leave the country. Now think about that. They're married. God does all this over here. And then she gets a letter that says, oh, you have to leave the country. I mean, think about, you know, and then here God, because the lawyer did some goofy stuff, and God opened the door and has now given her her papers to stay in the United States. And I don't know, I'm, I'm glad to have her. Thank you, God, and thank you, thank you, your prayers. And thank you, Lauren and, and her hu- husband. Um, he connect with the new lawyer. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> Amen. Connections, family. When you have, when you have a problem, listen, when you have a problem, this is why we're family. You have to, you have to let people know there's, a, there's something going on. Because, like, if we didn't know this, then Dave wouldn't have been able to connect her to somebody, right? And this wouldn't have got done. But because she was open to it and, and shared what happened, then Dave finds, and then Dave makes a connection, and wham, it all gets fixed. That's family. See, God is not, I don't mean to correct Dave, but I'm just going to, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. And so, so relationship means we're family. And the Bible says that we rejoice when people rejoice and we mourn when people mourn. That's family, right? And so the great testimony where, you know, Eli's coming up here and he's asking for prayer because he's got to take his citizenship test. And God miraculously moves in his mind that he could go in there and do that test. And I think he was like the first one done, right? I think that was his testimony, is that he came to me and he said, Pastor, he goes, man, I went there to do this thing and I was all worried. And I was the first one done. 
And then he passed the test for the citizen. And then he started, he said, now can you pray for me to have, for my exam to become a nurse? Because he was that in Cuba, but it didn't transfer to the United States. And so we started praying for that. And then he went in to take that exam. And not only was he the, I believe, first one done on that one too, right? First one done, and I believe the best score. That's how God works. And then, and then he, he does that, and he comes in, and he's giving these great testimonies. And then all of a sudden, the enemy says, well, we're going to put a stop to this. And so he throws another roadblock in. And we're like, yeah, okay, but we already know who God is, and that's just, that's just a bump in the road. And we already know you're, you're not going anywhere you're staying. And so now God has confirmed it, given him the papers. So we love you so much. Thank you. Come on, somebody rejoice. I'm telling you, God is a God. You know, if you think about the faith of a lie to come up here and say, will you pray that I can pass the citizenship test? You know how most of us think, myself included? Like, we don't ask for prayer for something like that. But I remember hearing one time, I don't remember who said it, but I remember somebody saying, you think you have faith for a wedding cake and you can't believe for a cupcake. Hmm? I don't remember what preacher said that. I remember somebody said it, and it never left my mind years ago said, you can't believe God for a cupcake, and you want to believe him for a wedding cake. Listen, you, we have to believe God for things that seem little in our life. Yeah, you don't just say, I want God to give me this big thing, but we operate in fear with all the other things going on in our life, right? So we have to build up. We have to believe God for the cupcake because it'll get us to the place where we can believe God for the wedding cake. And listen, the faith of God, he has given to every man, every person. The Bible uses the word man as a generic term for human. And, and the Bible says that he has given to every man the measure of faith. Now, I know a lot of times we pray like, God, increase my faith. The faith of God is already on the inside of you. So, yeah, he's got to increase your faith. What does that mean? Increase you to believe that the faith of God inside of you is real and that you can walk in it. Because you don't walk, I walk by faith. Yeah, but not your faith. It's the faith of God on the inside of you. He, your Bible says, gives to every man the measure of faith. It's not your faith. It's God's faith. And when it comes into alignment with the Spirit of God, the, it, anything is possible. And the only difference is, is, do you walk by God's faith in you, or do you separate yourself from the faith God has given you and try to mentally ascend to someplace to believe? Mental ascension. That's the way of the world. Say it enough, you'll believe it. We don't say it enough to believe it. We believe it, so we say it. There's a difference. The things of this world are diametrically opposed to the things of the kingdom that we have been talking about for months now. The kingdom of God. The things of the world are opposite from the kingdom of God. The kingdom says, stand up. The, the kingdom of God says, take a knee. Bow. Humble yourself. The world says rise up in anger. The Bible says humble yourself. The, word, the world will say, hey, they did wrong. Let's fix it. I'm going to repay evil with evil. The Bible says pray for those that do evil to you. Now, I know there's a country song out there that says I pray for them that his Chevy will quit running and his, you know, all, whatever, all of them. It's a country song. Play it backwards, he gets his Chevy back, dog back, wife back, whatever. 
I mean, they used to have masking in the hard rock stuff back in the day, you know what I mean? They play them Kiss records backwards, and you'll hear the satanic music. Remember that? Yeah. So then they figured out with country that you play the country music backwards, and you get all the stuff back. So You haven't heard that, have you? <laughs> but everything is opposite. I can't, I remember getting in my son's car. He's like, Dad, I found a really good Christian country song. And I'm really not a country person. So I'm like, well, I don't know about how good that really would be, but all right, let me hear it, you know. And he started playing that song. I pray, you know, that whatever, the Chevy crashes, this don't run, all this stuff, because her boyfriend had done something, so... You know, she was praying that everything bad could happen to him happen. And I start. he's laughing at me while I'm listening to it because he already knew. You know, he's like, he's, it was a joke. It's okay to joke. Just, we do have to be careful, but it's okay to joke. And I knew he was joking, and I started laughing about that. And I was like, that's why it's so dark in here. These lights are on. I was like, man, it feels dark in here. That's all right. But uh, but everything in the kingdom is opposite of everything in this world. Opposite. You have to change the way you think. If you change, see, sometimes we try to change what we do. And we forget to change what we think. And then what we find out is the things we're trying to change that we do we can't change. The reason you can't change what you do is because the thought is what creates the action. And because you don't change what you think, the action is impossible to change. You may do it for a minute. And as soon as you take one breath of relaxation, the mind takes over again and you go back to doing what you used to do. And you say, I don't understand. I don't understand. I said, it's the renewing of the mind. Because it's the thought that creates the action. You know? Last week when I preached about this, and I made this comment last week, Pastor Jimmy said, actually commented, sent me a text about this comment that I made to him. But I had never thought about it. I had never heard anybody preach it. But, that, but I said it because the Spirit of God brought it up. And it's like the, the devil, in the Greek word diabolos, and I don't have any of this in front of me, so I won't get it exactly right. But I'm just, the Greek, when you deal with that, the, the translation is the accuser. Okay? Now, I believe that the devil does run havoc through the lives of people. And I believe in deliverance, and I believe in being set free. But do you know that deliverance is multiple things? And I believe in all that, but I also know this. His primary weapon is being an accuser or a planter of thoughts. He doesn't even have a voice. He just uses the spirit realm to plant and looks for people who will be his voice. You know, on Veterans Day, we're here on Veterans Day to celebrate the greatness of this nation because of the lives of people that have laid down their their desires and said, for this country, I will do what I need to do because freedom is not free. Right? And for all of those that want to have a socialist nation, let me know and I'll give you a plane ticket. They have them all over the world. You don't need to recreate the wheel. Go to where it is. And when you get there and find out they don't have clean water because the government controls everything and they don't have the greatest education because the government controls everything, you may think socialism isn't really the answer. And I don't want to get into political things, but... I'm just saying, we live in a great nation. And, and here's the thing that happens is 
the enemy knows, Satan, who's the enemy of your soul, he knows the greatest weapon is really words. That he can't speak. Right? Now, here's where it gets really interesting. What words affect you the most? If somebody you don't know says something to you, how much weight do you put on it? Right. I don't care. Oh, they were mocking me on this, on Facebook. Who are they? I don't know. Then who cares? Right? But the enemy, now if somebody in your circle, somebody in your life begins to talk bad about you and begins to plant things into you, then that carries weight. That makes you start questioning things. Do you know when the United States in every war that we went into, what would happen is the country came together. And I'm not here to talk about, I'm just using this as an example. But when the war happened, when they bombed Pearl Harbor in World War II, even the Japanese were smart enough to say, I think we may have just awoke a giant. And when they started to bomb and they did all this stuff, the people looked at it and said, hey, wait a minute. They just attacked us. They didn't say they attacked me. They attacked us. Because we were one nation. Differences, yes but enough in commonality that when it happened, the nation came together and the men went to war and the women even went into the factories and began to create and build the things that needed to be done all in one accord, one focus, one plan, one purpose. Destruction really doesn't happen when the enemy comes in from without. From outside in does not bring destruction. From inside, it does. From inside. So when the enemy comes in and starts whispering, planting thoughts in your head about other people that you sit with in church or in other churches for that matter, and, and you begin to allow that to play in your mind to where you begin to speak. I just want you to know that when you begin to speak these things that could be rumors, right? Maybe not true, maybe true. Now, I'm not saying we're dealing with this right now, but hey, this is where God has us. We might as well get our act together. If we are going to be a body of believers that are going to war on behalf of each other, if we're going to walk in the kingdom and disperse darkness, trust me, darkness will want to break you apart because a kingdom that is divided cannot stand. And so the enemy comes in and plants thoughts and then uses our mouth to send them out. He didn't speak them. He only planted a thought. Do you ever really think about, I sometimes I wonder, the conversations we have with the devil, he's not even talking. He's just planting thoughts. He's just planting a thought. And you're arguing with him. Or debating. 
or trying to justify, well, maybe this isn't him. Let me give you just one scripture. Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. The thief comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. If the actions that we're walking in bring destruction and separation, kill, steal, and destroy, you're on the wrong side of the measuring stick. You don't even need a theologian. It's that simple. And so when, when the thoughts come in, and you're debating them in your head, take them captive, measure them to God's Word. You know, the, the, I say this all the time. I'm like, we should shout more, right? Because I, I believe we should shout more. I believe we should shout about how good God is. We should shout about how great God is. I've lived my life being somebody who was always like I'd be the, what they call the, 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 the one that went to the school dance and just sat on the wall. Right? Wallflower. That sounds bad, though, as a guy. Can we think of something else? I'm just, I, I am 100% man, and when you start adding flower into my vocabulary, it just makes me go. If I'm going to get in touch with my feminine side, that'll be when I'm with my wife. That's the only feminine side I'm getting in touch with. I'm just telling you right there. I am not confused. And I'm okay being a man. And I don't think women need to become men. They're okay being women. I know they were second in line and God made improvements. I get it. I agree with that. They are a whole lot better looking than us guys. I'm just saying. You know, I mean, he did make good improvements. But I'm not confused. I was born a man, and that was by the plan of God. And his word says he don't make mistakes. So we ought to stop letting all these people say their mistakes and call them the, what they are, liars. They're liars. God, don't make mistakes, and you're lying to all these people, and you're bringing death and destruction. Do you know the divorce rate of somebody that goes through this transition skyrockets? They're like, well, they, they, they don't feel comfortable, so we want to let them transition. They're five, six years old. They don't know what they're talking about. You're brainwashing them. And then they make a transition, and then they struggle the rest of their life with their identity, and then they commit suicide, and we forget to look at the life expectancy of people that are in confusion. Because the thing that is, is certainty brings in the ability to last longer in life. When you're certain, you don't worry. When you're certain, you're not in fear. When you're certain, you don't make decisions irrationally. You don't, you, when you're certain. That's why, that's why I love where the Bible says that in God there is no shadow of turning. No shadow of it. If God changed, what would you believe? This is basic stuff, but this is it. If you can believe that God made a mistake or that somehow God changed and he's not the same as he was before, you can't have faith in that because if he changed this time, he could change again, and that which you believe in now may not have value later. You've eliminated the whole foundation of your life. 
it's truly foundational. That's why there's a lot of things that people pick on in the Bible. Did God really create the earth? Uh, yeah. Did Christ come from a virgin? Yes. We, we went as a youth to see God of heaven and earth. I don't know. Hey, some of the youth sitting over there, got a couple of them around here. Was it good? Was it good? Did you? I mean, it was documentary kind of thing. But it was still good, right? You weren't like bored going, why are we here? I put them on a spot. They had to answer that. <laughs> What's Carter saying over there? Is he <laughs> I'm just saying, it was documentary on how they could geologically and through the study of science validate things in the Bible. The God of heaven and earth, it'll have to come out on video, you know, because any, anything that's not about killing, stealing, and destroying, we only let play for two days. Freddy's been on for two months. Halloween was over already, and they're still playing it. Sad thing is there's probably just as many Christians going to Freddy. We went to God of heaven and earth, and the, and the place was half empty. Not enough emotional draw. I love worship, but worship has become, in a lot of ways, an emotional experience. It's an emotional experience that absolutely changes nothing because five minutes after your emotions change, you're back to where you were. It's, just, it's no different than a drug addict. There's no, see, we, like, we get so critical. I actually have a lesson. I have a message, but... I'm stuck here. We get so critical with people. Oh, they're, they're this or they're that. Well, so are you, but you just don't. It's different. They have an emotional instability, and they, and they meet the emotional instability by drinking or drugs or any other form, they meet an emotional instability, and then the church gets saved, thinks that what just happened is an emotional experience, and tries to reenact emotional experiences to maintain their salvation. Your Bible says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, not with emotional highs. These are the things, I mean, I, these are things that go through my head. The last few weeks have not been very easy for our family at all, I can tell you that. But my faith is not moved by it. And, and I'm not exempt to the things of the enemy either. Your Bible says to know the wiles or the ways or the mental pathways the enemy tries to use. That's really what it's talking about. The wiles of the enemy is talking about how he gets into your mind. And trust me, I have been there. I have been there when I've been driving down the road, and a thought came and said, if you hit that tree, it'll all be over. Really? You've had that? Yeah, they're called thoughts. They come in from the airwaves. That's why Satan's called the God of the air. He throws thoughts into airwaves. And if your antennas aren't tuned to the right frequency, the airwaves you're picking up, they're not from God. 
And when a thought comes in, just like they did for me multiple times, driving down M46 Apple Avenue, driving there, going home, if you just hit that tree, this will all be over. And that thought lasted a second at best. I didn't play with it. I didn't toy with it. I didn't consider it. I cast it down. Bring every thought, every imagination that would want to exalt itself over God. Bring it down. It is a practical step. It's like going to the gym. You can't just have an emotional experience at gym in the gym. You won't grow any muscles in a gym having an emotional experience. I'm like super excited because look at the size of the weights on that bar. Yeah, but you can't lift it. I know, but someday I'm going to get there. Not if you don't start. It's practical. You put it in motion. You use it. The Bible says that my people, say my people. Who are his people? My people are destroyed because of what? Lack of knowledge. Do you know there's a difference between knowledge and information? We're full of information, lack knowledge. Because the information has not created a thought, so it hasn't become knowledge, it's information. It's like flooding the highways of your brain, but you don't know what to do with it. It's just like da 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 right? But there's no, there's no real knowledge because you're not taking that information and studying it and learning it and trying to develop a knowledge of it. You're just, oh, I know it. It's going everywhere. And so we never take that information to create knowledge. We have all of this information. This is information. This is also truth. Truth. Those that know the truth shall be free. If you know the truth, it shall be free. Problem is, this is a lot of information that if you don't get in you and begin to actually study it so that it becomes knowledge. I do, I'll do this all the time. It's like, oh, yeah, I know about that. It's something like this. How many want to go to a doctor and he says, oh, yeah, I've heard about, I've heard about people having um, Issues with arteries being plugged. It's something like, I don't know. I think the blood just gets a little thick. And I don't know, something about whatever their platelets or whatever they call them things. I can't remember. And then they just kind of like plug up. And I know they do something about, you know, going in there with this thing. I just, you know. Yeah. So come on in and I'll, I'll get that fixed for you. You're like, dude, you've got a lot of information going on, but your, your knowledge isn't sounding very good. Your knowledge of this skill, this knowledge of this is not there. And you would go and find yourself another doctor. Right? We've been through that lately. I'm like, yeah, get out of there. True story. Well, the information they're giving me, I don't know. If you don't know, get out of there. Go find another one. <laughs> yeah, wasn't even thinking about you, but yeah, you've been there. 
you know, have you gone to the medical board yet and asked for them to have their, you know, licenses removed? I think that should be the next step, right? I remember we went to a thing one time, and they were talking about having this. We went to a meeting, and I was in this meeting, and this guy that was in charge of stuff, he starts reading about conflict resolution. And he went through this whole spiel about conflict resolution and how you resolve this, and you resolve this. And I said, well, that's great information, but I'm not here to resolve a conflict. I'm here to have that license he has removed. He took his book. See, this ain't going to work today. <laughs> we got knowledge. We have Isaiah 11, chapter 11, verse number 2. The spirit of knowledge. The Holy Spirit sent to lead us in all truth. Truth imparted or put into practice in our life develops knowledge. When we get knowledge, we then got to add knowledge to understanding. You get knowledge first, then understanding is what? Understanding is really this simple. Understanding is just saying, how does this knowledge affect my life? How does it play out? Understanding, how does it play out? Right, take a car, for example, and somebody says, oh, I, I know how to fix cars, and they know, okay, like I call them parts changers. I've had a lot of semis in my day, and I've fired some people because they didn't understand anything. They were parts changers, but they didn't understand how this system affected this system affected that system, and so all they did is start changing parts until they got to the right one because they didn't have understanding. They just had knowledge. Then once you get knowledge and God begins to take the knowledge and expand it to a place of understanding, now you understand the cause and effects of things that you know. And when you understand the cause and effects of things, then you can apply understanding to the use of your knowledge. Now you get what I'm saying? And so when you get that understanding and you apply that to the use of your knowledge, then you start making better choices because you understand the causes and effects of the knowledge. And then, and then God brings us to a greater place even called the spirit of wisdom. And the spirit of wisdom now brings your understanding to a whole other place. Because now you don't just understand, but you have the wisdom of what's going on. The big picture of everything going on. The wisdom. And you put all this into motion, and it gives you a sound mind. And a sound mind is key to right choices. Proverbs says that a double-minded man is unstable, not just in some ways, but in all ways. So no sound mind, if you know somebody that you know doesn't have a sound mind, quit asking them for advice. It really is that simple. And I, and I would say this, if you're trying to serve God, don't ask somebody that doesn't serve God for advice. They're operating from a whole other world. They're in a whole other system. They're in the wrong kingdom. Their knowledge and their advice comes reverse of God's direction because they operate in a wrong kingdom. And everything in this world is exactly the opposite of everything in the kingdom of God. So if you go to somebody that doesn't serve God and ask them for advice, they're going to give you information and you'll do something that God may be wanting you to do totally opposite. Because God knows the wisdom. 
But all of this plays a part in our mind in the enemy. His one desire is to get a grip into your mind and cause you to use your words. When he gets a hold of you, and I'm not even talking about having to like have you know, possession of you. He didn't have possession of Eve. He just had her thoughts. He had her mind. He had her questioning God and God's word. And so when the enemy comes in and he wants to just twist everything and put thoughts into your mind and then we open up our mouth and begin to let that come out, then we're bringing in, we're being used. And now you're going to hate this. You're going to hate this because you say, no, I'm, 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 I'm saved. I'm serving God. Yeah, we serve God, and sometimes we serve the devil. Sometimes, if we're not careful, we let him use us. That's why the Bible says to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. It's not fear like I'm scared. It's an all of who God is. And it's a salvation that we have so much respect for. And, and we honor him for that, 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 that price he paid, that sacrifice he paid. We honor him to a place that we wouldn't want to do anything that would bring any kind of reproach to what he did. That kind of fear, a reverence that will cause us to sometimes just be quiet be still and know that I am God. Some things you just be quiet and be still, and God works. but you need the wisdom of when that is. Am I quiet and still and let God work? Am I supposed to come out and share? Am I, right? There's options. The options with the knowledge that you have, you now need the wisdom of God to know which one of the options is what he's trying to get, which one he's using. And whether you come into agreement with him and his option or you come into agreement with yourself or even in agreement with Satan and give the other option. I know it's not like probably one of the greatest messages in the world. I'm just telling you. We are to be, we, we have to follow God in spirit and in truth. Spirit in emotion is not the same thing. It is not. Now, we're emotional beings. God gave us an emotion. He gave us the emotions to use. But our emotions are the same as our physical body, as the same as our mind. All have to be subject to the Spirit of God. And our emotions are not the dictators of our life. We are the dictators of our emotions. That's why David said, soul, why are you cast down? And he had to tell his soul, you will magnify the Lord. Because he told his emotions what they were going to do. He didn't let the emotions tell him what he was going to do. What a refining we got to go through. It's a refining process. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy when, when, when I get into all my emotions and I want to get upset and I want to just yell. And I, you know what? Sometimes that's all right. Sometimes you can be 
Because obviously you can be angry and sin not. If the Bible says be angry and sin not, it must be an option. So, so I'm, say, I'm not saying you can't get angry as a Christian. I'm just saying that you direct the anger, the anger don't direct you. And we become a force like the people that have laid their life down for this great nation who in the midst of trial, in the midst of all kinds of stuff coming at them, and you can't even imagine they're laying in the trenches and bombs going off and guns going off all over themselves. If the emotions directed them, we wouldn't be a free nation today. And somehow we think as Christians we can let the emotions direct us and somehow the kingdom of God is going to get advanced. It's not going to get advanced. One of my best friends was good, good friends. Used to go work out with this guy in his home all the time. He was in a wheelchair, but he would still lift weights with his arms. And he'd go to his house. He was a World War II veteran. And he would tell the story of D-Day. Actually, he, would, he wouldn't tell the story of D-Day forever until he was to the end of his life. And one day he said to him, well, I'll share with you. Because he would come in there all the time with him. They developed a relationship, and he said, no, I'm not going to talk about the things. But he was one that landed on the beach in Normandy. When we, I'm so proud of these guys that are doing the men and ladies of honor, the guys and the women. I'm so proud that you're picking that up. I still remember sitting, and we would bring in former military people that had fought in different wars and let them share about courage to young men and young ladies. We need to hear some real stuff. And he would tell this story. He was dropped into the beaches on Normandy. And after they got so far and, and survived long enough, they had a hill they had to climb. That hill was lined with mines, mines, bombs. They made a straight line of people. And the first person would start walking until he stepped on a landmine and blew up. And the next person went right up his footsteps knowing he took that one out, and he would keep going, and he would keep going until he stepped on the next one, and he blew up. And then the next one followed foot right behind them ones. They stayed in a straight line, and they kept in the footprints, and they had to walk over the, all the shrapnel of the, blind, the, bombs, the bombs that went off, and they would just keep going until they cleared a pathway to the top of the hill. You think any one of those individuals would have walked that pathway if the emotions were in charge? Same way with the cross. Jesus did not walk to the cross letting his emotions dictate his plan and purpose in his sacrifice. And yet we're trying to create a church that thinks everything is about our emotions. And I don't mean this in a negative way. I really don't. I don't mean it as a negative way. But you know sometimes, and I do this too, Sometimes you're sitting around and people say, like, I just feel this. Do you know a lot of times when I'm sitting in a group, and I don't say anything because I know you don't really mean it in that respect, but sometimes I'll be sitting in a group and they'll say, I just feel this, and it's like fingers on a chalkboard to me. 
I'm like, feel what? We know. We know. We know we don't feel. We know what God's doing through his spirit. We know we don't feel it. We don't go and come into rooms and say, I feel. Now, listen, if the Spirit of God reveals some stuff, that's one thing. But it's not a feeling. It's a knowing. And I, and I know I'm kind of splitting hairs with this one, but I guess I'm just throwing it out there for you to think about it. Because when I'm sitting in a group and somebody says, I just feel this, it really is in me. I've gotten to a place in my walk with God. It's like fingernails on a chalkboard. And I'm like, yeah, God doesn't want us moved by our feelings. He wants us to walk by faith. Sight deals in feelings. Faith deals in the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. So I just pray as we're reminded on Veterans Day, They weren't moved by their feelings to serve this nation. And those that were probably went AWOL. And I know sometimes they get to go AWOL and still get treated like a hero, but not by the people that know. I'm going to try to keep you from going AWOL. They teach you in church development to expect people to be here only every six weeks. You build a ministry in a church knowing that people will only be here every six weeks. That's crazy. That's called believers that get up in the morning and say, I feel like going to church today, or I don't feel like going to church today. I didn't know your feelings played a part in the decision you make. Just like getting up in the morning and saying, I don't feel like being married anymore, honey. That's what people do. That's why they had to come up with no-fault divorces. Not the fall of anybody, just in their emotions. I don't feel like I want to be married anymore. Your wife will tell you to straighten up. We have moved, this whole world has moved into feelings. If it feels good, do it. They got t-shirts now. Everybody, you know, and half the church wears them. If it feels good, do it. Like, it's contrary to the Word of God. You wear clothing contrary to the Word of God. And then try to convince everybody you're a Christian. I'm, now I'm starting to go the wrong way. I better just stop right there. Somebody's up in the front row going, I, I love you guys. I do. And you know, when we talk about joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory, not based on an emotion or a feeling, based on a fact, based on the truth of God's word. And if, if I can just play a part in God shifting the way you walk, then I'm doing exactly what I'm here to do. Just shift the way you walk. And then when you get up and an emotion starts to come in and you start understanding that the emotion isn't what's supposed to motivate you and drive you, but you're supposed to control your emotions, maybe that change. Because there's just as many people, and I don't mean this as a negative slam or anything, there's just as many people in the church claiming to serve God that are taking drugs for their emotions than there are people that aren't serving God. 
there's just as much of a divorce. The divorce rate in the church is the same as it is in the world. And I'm sitting here thinking that is a sign that the emotions are dictating the actions and the responses of the people instead of the people understanding that the Spirit of God is their guide, the peace of God is your guide, and in that you control your emotions and decisions are made. Listen, when you have a solid mind and you take your emotions captive, and you, this is why when you get into a fight, you say, I'm not going to yell at you right now. I'm going to walk into the other room. And when I calm down, I'll come back. Listen, this is a principle they teach, right? It's, it's in when your emotions get so high, you'll never make the right choice. Never. And so there's practicality to the life in Christ. When they wanted to kill, in John chapter 13, when Jesus was there, we just studied John chapter 13 in the men's Bible study. And when he was there with Lazarus after raising him from the dead, the chief priest wanted to kill Lazarus and Jesus. That's what it says in John chapter 13. They sat in that house like they could care less. They're outside the house stating they want to kill them. And they're not in the house fretting over it or in fear. But they're together and they're eating and they're enjoying Crazy, you can't just read the Bible, you got to read the Bible. But when you read that stuff, you'd be like, really? And this is how I do it. I'll give you a hint how I work. I read that and I go, what would I do? So we've learned so much to say, man, if Joe next to me, man, he needed to learn that. Or maybe it was Jill that needed to learn that. No, this is what I do. Well, what would I do? Would I be so relaxed that I could enjoy the meal with Jesus? Or would I be going, Jesus, you don't understand. They're out there. They want to kill me. You don't really know what's going on. I know you raised me from the dead, but I think your power is only good for once to protect me and bring me out of the pits of hell. Because that's where our emotions will go. Stand with me today. I'm praying the spirit of knowledge and understanding and wisdom. Rule and reign in your life today. Delete the text message halfway written. It's okay. It's all right. I've done it. And rewrote it. And deleted it again. <laughs> Rewrote emails 15 times, never sent it. Come on. We are all human. We are in this together. The enemy's number one thing he wants to do is nobody understands. Nobody goes through that. Nobody struggles with that. They don't have that issue. It's just you. It's a lie. Jesus was tempted in everything Common to man. We even lie about that. Jesus wasn't really tempted. He was the son of God. He didn't have anything he had to have trials over. The Bible says he was tempted in everything common to man. And he's still the answer. So pray with me right now. Jesus, I thank you for your spirit of understanding, of knowledge, and wisdom. And God, I receive it today. I let it rule in my mind. I let it control my emotions. 
I yield to you, O God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Leave here empowered by God to do great things. Hallelujah. 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 You going to sing for it? Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.